and, and again, none of this is boasting about uh, anything our church has done uh, because God's Spirit is working throughout churches across this country. And I think it would surprise us sometimes how simple ministry can be. But I think that one of the greatest things we need to understand is that God does not want us to hoard the gospel within this building. That he wants us to to have our faith, to practice it not only here, but when we go out from this place, to go out realizing that there's a mission field beyond these doors and beyond the parking lot. And if we'll just love people in the name of Jesus, and if we'll do acts of kindness and love to them, that that the gospel will be spread. And folks, this in no no way comes in a negative tone, but I, I've, I've heard over the years, and this is not only true of our church, but many churches, that when a, a, a group goes to a foreign country or to a distant land like D.C., uh, a little humor in that, okay, um, but that people say, well, we've got enough people around here that we need to help. And, folks, we're trying to do both. And, and it's just coincidental that the Project Lost was here this week, and the Washington, D.C. mission trip is this coming week. And so we're trying to do both ministering to people here in the community and also in other places. Now, to be quite honest with you, my involvement was very little, so I'm not in, in any way trying to tell you what they did. I know what they did from watching some of them and coming behind them at some of the places that they went. People were encouraged and people appreciated what they did. But again, we needed your prayerful backing and your financial backing as a church, and you've given us that. For that, we're so very, very thankful. I know that time is going to be a little bit shorter today. I'm going to read the Scripture and pray. But again, I hope that you'll take to heart these verses These chapters that I mentioned last Sunday, and I'll mention those again in just a minute. Let's pray together, okay? Father, I thank you for for saving us and, Lord, giving us a purpose in life, not only as each individual Christian, but, Lord, as as a body of believers, as a church. Thank you, Father, that it's more than meeting here on Sunday mornings, Lord. It's about meeting here to be strengthened and encouraged and energized to go out and serve you the coming week. And, Father, please help us that we'll not chain the gospel up in this building. That, Father, as we go forth, the gospel will go forth. Lord, I think of the words of Paul who said that the gospel cannot be chained and placed in a prison. But, Lord, as we live daily as believers, others are seeing the Christ in us. And not only the way we act in our speech, but most especially what we do in the name of Christ to touch others' lives. Lord, I thank you for your example. I thank you for this passage of Scripture. And I pray, Lord, not only this morning, but in the days to come, that you would speak to us through your word and through your example. Lord, bless us now in these moments as we hear and study and hopefully live out your word as we leave this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please listen again to the first 17 verses of John chapter 13. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And during supper, 
Now, again, remember, they have met to take the Passover meal. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and listen to this last phrase, and that he had come from God and was going to God. Folks, Jesus knew his origin. He was the Son of God. And Jesus knew his destination beyond the cross and being buried in a grave. His destination was again to be joined with the Father. This morning, as I shared uh, in Corey's absence today, and again, he is on the mission trip. As I shared with the children at Children's Moment at the 830 service, I talked about how all of us are a creation of God. Folks, every single one of us, our origin is from God. We are His creation. And as believers who have trusted in the Son of God and His shed blood, our destination is to be with the Father. That's what Jesus promises in chapter 14. But Jesus, again, knew where He came from. He knew where He's going. But he rose from supper, laid aside his garments, and girded himself with a towel. Then he poured water into a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel which he, with which he was girded. He came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not know now, but afterward you will understand. Let me again just stop for just a second. Folks, can you imagine the shock and surprise of these 12 disciples that Jesus would wash their feet? We'll explain why they would be so shocked. They did not understand. Do you and I understand why the Lord did this? Jesus said, you'll not understand this now, but afterward you will understand Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash your feet, you have no part in me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but he is clean all over, and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, You are not all clean. When he had washed their feet and taken his garments and resumed his place, he said to them, now listen to this question. And folks, I want to point something out. I believe that this is true in the gospel. When Jesus asked a question of his disciples, he always gave them an answer. Listen to the question. Do you know what I have done to you? And folks, here is the explanation. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet. And listen to verse 15. This is a key to understanding the passage of Scripture. For I've given you an example. I've given you an example. The Greek word for example there means one who is worthy of imitation. The Greek word also can be translated pattern. The guide, the model for what you and I should be doing. So I think Jesus is saying at least two things here and saying that I have, I have given you an example. Number one, that he is worthy of imitation. And would you and I not agree as the children of God and the family of God that our Lord is worthy of imitation? And secondly, do you and I not understand that he is to be the mold, the pattern, the guide for what you and I are becoming? 
And folks, again, this is put very simple, isn't it? Jesus wants us to become like Him and to be like Him. And folks, we need to examine our hearts and our minds. Are we becoming more and more like Jesus Christ as we live each day? And one of the ways that we'll become more and more like Him is to follow His example of servanthood and serving others. For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than him who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Folks, you remember last week at the end of the message, I kind of gave you some homework and a little bit of a challenge. And I ask you to read chapters 13 through 19. And let me quickly tell you one more time in the event that you weren't here last Sunday. In chapters 13 through 19, there is a 24-hour period of time that is described. And I've never noticed that until looking closely at this passage of Scripture. In chapters 13 through 17, these chapters concentrate on Jesus' teaching in the last night of His earthly life before His arrest in the garden. All these things happen from around sunset to whatever hour Judas comes and betrays Jesus with a kiss. And then in chapters 18 and 19, the last 24 hours of our Lord's life are described. But folks, is this passage of Scripture primarily about washing feet? And the answer to that, of course, is no. So what is the purpose of this passage of Scripture? Let me point out that there are at least four purposes in this passage of Scripture. Number one, it is to demonstrate to the disciples how much Jesus loved them. And folks, even Judas. Now again, Jesus already knows who is going to betray him. Jesus knows that Judas has plotted with the Jewish leaders to turn him over at the appropriate time. And remembering again that night, you know that after the supper, after the washing of feet, uh, they go out into the Garden of Gethsemane and, and Judas comes and betrays the Lord. But folks, look at this. Even knowing that Judas would betray him, Jesus washes his feet establishing the fact that Jesus loved him and Jesus would serve him. Folks, do you and I understand that the, the act of washing feet was in preparation for Jesus dying on the cross, not only for those 12 men, but also for you and for me? It foreshadows, secondly, his self-sacrifice on the cross. Folks, it's more than just simply saying, I'm going to do this kind act for you. Jesus literally gave himself for us. And there's a third reason in this passage of Scripture. To convey the truth that Jesus was calling them to serve one another in humility. To serve the world in humility. And folks, don't raise your hand, but how many of us struggle with pride? How many of us want credit? For whatever and whenever we do something. Folks, it is our human nature to want to be acknowledged, to want others to make over us, for us to feel like we are the most important. Is that not not one of the struggles you have each day? And folks, I want to tell you something. 
Even as a follower of Christ, there is a temptation to become proud and arrogant. And these disciples, in the three years that they had been following Jesus, had struggled with who was the greatest. And let me just give you some examples of this, okay? Listen, this is Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. Listen to this. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? Wouldn't we be tempted to say, Well, you know, I'm just one of the best church members that Jesus has got at Teresa. I hope you don't face that temptation. But if you do, let me tell you, well, we're going to find out in just a second the greatest rank in Christianity. Let me go ahead and tell you. The greatest rank in Christianity is to be servant. That's reaching the top. Because when we serve others, we are the most like the Lord Jesus Christ. But listen to this. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? And calling to him a child, Jesus put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like a child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now listen to this passage in Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 to 27. I think I mentioned this last week just as we were closing. Peter, James, and John were were three of the disciples who, who were with Jesus at some of the most momentous occasions in his life. The Mount of Tree, uh, uh, Transfiguration is one. There were times in which Jesus called these three men to be with him that he didn't call the other nine to be with him. But folks, apparently it prompted the mother of James and John to think that perhaps her two sons would be two of the most important when Jesus' kingdom was established. And like any good mother, any good parent, and again, all of us as parents, we want our children and our grandchildren to succeed. We want them to be successful. We want them to be at the top of the list. And listen to what the mother of uh, James and John do. The mother of the sons of Zebedee come up to Jesus with her sons. And I could just imagine this again. I'm sure she said, now, boys, i got to talk to Jesus about something. Y'all just sit there and be quiet, okay? Let me do the talking. And you know they were called the sons of thunder. You, you remember that, don't you? Which probably meant they were real high-tempered. And if Jesus would have answered the wrong way, they might have got mad at him and said, we'll just quit. We're not going to follow you anymore if you're not going to give us top positions. So she says, let me do the talking. So kneeling before him, she asked him for something, and he said to her, What do you want? She said to him, Command that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right and one at your left, in your kingdom. Again, think about this. They thought his kingdom was going to be one there on this earth. But Jesus answered, You do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup? that I am able to drink. You remember we studied about the night in Gethsemane where Jesus describes his death as the cup that he must drink. They said to him, we are able. He said to them, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those with whom it has been prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard it. Now, now listen again. Folks, any time you have a group, whether it's a church, a family, jealousy is something that Satan wants to rise up. And when the other ten heard the mother of James and John trying to get special privileges and places of appointment for them, they get ticked off. 
When the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called to them and said, now listen to what he says. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. Their great men exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be the greater among you must be your what? Your servant. And another word would be slave. Now, how many of us want to be a servant? How many of us want to be a slave? Don't we like to be at the top rather than at the bottom? But listen to what Jesus is saying. Whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Folks, again, the greatest title in Christianity is not pastor or associate pastor or deacon or Sunday school teacher. Please have respect for these offices within the church. But you know the greatest role that we can play is to be a servant to others. So says the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this out of Mark chapter 9. They came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? (laughs) Jesus knew what they were discussing. What were they discussing? Well, like any good disciple, what did they do? Look at verse 34. But they were silent. They were embarrassed. They knew they were living contrary to Jesus' example. And Mark tells us why. For on the way they had discussed with one another who was the greatest. And he sat down and he called the twelve and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives such a child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me but him who sent me. And folks, listen. Listen to one other passage of Scripture. Luke chapter 9, verses 46 to 48. And an argument arose among them as to which one of them was the greatest. This is a side of disciples we don't think about too often, do we? And folks, this sometimes is an ugly side in the church of Jesus Christ that we don't like to talk about. They were unwilling to humble themselves and they wanted to be ranked. But listen to what Jesus says in verse 47. But when Jesus perceived the thought of their hearts. And let me point something out here. Unwillingness to humble ourselves and serve others is a heart problem. It's a heart problem. And if Jesus Christ is not the Lord of our hearts and the Lord of our life, guess what? We will want to be served rather than to serve, and to be acknowledged rather than to stand in the shadows serving in the name of Jesus Christ. So how does Jesus respond? He took a child, put him by his side, and said to them, Whoever receives this child in my name receives me. Whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all is the one who is great. May I read that last phrase one more time? For he who is least among you all is the one who is great. Folks, listen. Jesus wanted his disciples to see that their desire to be first, to be number one, to be superior and honored above others was contrary to the way that their Lord lived and to the example that he had set for them. 
When you and I are proud and arrogant, we are acting contrary to the way that our Lord lived and the instructions he gave his disciples and his church to live by. When we are humbly serving others, we are following the example of Christ. But when we are proud and arrogant, desiring that others serve us, we're following the example of who? And this is a horrifying thought. Why did Satan get cast out of heaven? He wanted to be number one. He wanted to worship, to be worshipped. He wanted others to serve him instead of him serving them. And he was cast out. Folks, when we're proud and arrogant, desiring that others serve us, we're following the example of Satan himself. So, with all that said, how would Jesus teach them about serving others? And folks, that's what this passage of Scripture is all about. And washing their feet is just an example that we're going to find out that taught them a great lesson. Before I have the closing prayer and we have the closing hymn, let me ask you something. And I struggle with this question. What am I too good to do in the kingdom of God? What am I too good? What are we too good? What is the church of Jesus Christ too good to do in the kingdom of God? I saw a lot of the things that the group did this week from a distance. One of the things I didn't know about was the sock. Did you catch that part? The sock that had a couple of pairs of men's socks in them that had a can of beanie weenies, a can of, I think, a can of fruit, and something that's a pack of nabs, I believe, that was, was non-perishable that you could ride around in your car until you saw someone standing on the street corner begging for food, begging for money, I guess. I, I've never given them any money. And I'll be honest with you, it scares me. I think, well, perhaps they're going to buy drugs. I don't know what they're going to do with it. And I wonder sometimes, am I too good to help them? There are many other ways that you can demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ. And that would be one of the ways, one of those socks. Folks, I believe that if we surrender ourselves to be ministers of Christ, Christ is going to give us more opportunities to serve others than we can ever imagine. And it might simply be to smile and to say an encouraging word. It might simply be to say a prayer for them. It might simply be to give them a sock with a can of Beanie Weenies. It will be done in Jesus' name. And Jesus will honor and he'll bless it. He needs for us to have servant hearts. And who is the greatest servant of all? It was the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, this passage doesn't require much preaching because we see the example of your Son washing feet. Not simply because they were smelly and dirty, but to show them His heart to show him his desire that his followers and his church serve others, whether it was appreciated or not. Lord, truly, as Jesus bent down and washed Judas' feet, 
It must have been hard as a man. But as a son of God, we know that he did it out of love. Lord God, today I pray that you would help us to see people's needs beyond the walls of this church. And Lord, help us to touch others, not for our honor and glory, but so that they would come to Christ and know him as their Savior. Father, just thank you for the opportunity that you've given all churches, not just ours, and all Christians, not just we who are members here at this church. And I just pray, Father, that you'll find servant hearts and you'll find that we want to serve others in your name so that we would not receive the glory, but so that you would and so that people might find the love of Christ as we have. Lord, in these moments of invitation, please speak our hearts about our roles in your kingdom's work. Lord, we talk about going to heaven, but help us to know that that's already been taken care of and you got that place prepared for us. Lord, help us to know that this day, this week, you want us out in the fields serving you and serving others. And Lord, may we do that. For we ask in Christ's name, amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is number 413, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Would you do that right now? And would we truly become his servants? Number 5, 400, 413, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Let us stand as we sing.